on the road again in honor of bones and all what's your favorite on screen road trip uh i'm katie richard i'm going with claudette colbert and clark gable on the road in it happened one night and in uh, in honor of dave singing on the road again i'm going to reference the scene where they're hitchhiking and the guy sings young people in love, love are very seldom very hungry, hungry. <laughs> it's classic <laughs> Hey, it's me, David the Seven. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the Muppet movie. Moving right along, dunga dunk, dunga dunk, foot loose and fancy free. It's gonna be a singer this this week, apparently. Uh, and I'm Joanna Robinson, and I'm not a host of this podcast, but I'm here anyway. And since it's Thanksgiving week, I thought I should give it to a Thanksgiving classic: Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. John Candy, Steve Martin, just trying to get home for the holidays. There's an oral history of it up right now at VanityFair.com, which I a, haven't read yet because I didn't edit it, but I, I hear it's good. What a great website. Can't what wait. a great website. <laughs> Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good. Then, well then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the Warm. It's the week of Thanksgiving. It is episode 416, pandemic 146. It's the week of Wednesday, November 23rd. That is the day that in 1993, Doggy Style, the debut album from Snoop Dogg was released. Yeah. A Thanksgiving gift to the world. Uh, David and Patches are gone for seemingly legit reasons. I don't know. If you don't have small children, you might not know that every single daycare in America has this outbreak of weird illnesses right now. And everyone is sick, including oh, uh, David and Patches' families. Everyone seems to be fine. But how's, how's your family? Been uh, we've been sick. We spend <laughs> most of the past week with various people being sick. Uh, and I don't expect it to end anytime soon. Um, but so lucky for me and Dave, when our podcast co-hosts uh, ditch us, uh, we get to bring in Joanna, which is a Thanksgiving gift uh, on the level of Snoop Dogg's debut album, I'd say. It's just, <laughs> a, it's just an excuse for me to get to see your beautiful face, Katie, because I don't I mean, get to see it as much anymore. So I know. I mean, this is this is what friendship is built on is Zoom calls. Um, so, Dave, we were going to talk. We had a we had a show planned and then. David we had Patches a show bailed. planned. <laughs> so we figured we'd just come talk about some stuff. Yeah, well, I think that's what we're doing. We can talk about the crown if you guys want. I know that's what we were scheduled to talk about and we promised to talk about. Uh, I get Did we say on the... last week's show that we would talk about the crown? I believe so. Okay. okay. Because we're doing this thing where you're actually you're doing this very smart thing where you're like, let's talk about what we're talking about next week. And almost every time we switch it up from <laughs> whatever Katie has promised uh, the week before. So we're working on it. But, you know, we're a work in progress. And it helps me to know what I'm supposed to talk about. Because otherwise, I get just Monday. And I'm like, shit, someone wants me to watch five hours of Black Adam. No, that's not. That's a movie, not a TV show. Anyway. It does. It does feel like five hours of Black Adam. <laughs> uh, anyway, but... <laughs> We got a review. It's five stars. It's very nice. I'm going to save it for when David can read it. And that way uh, we will go another week without having to talk about mobile games or, or explain to Joanna why we do that. I'm <laughs> so, oh, wow. And I have another week to uh, to try to understand Marvel Snap and talk about it because I did download it and I have continued to play it some. Yeah. Oh, yes. We can have I to wait for Patches to be back from Marvel Snap. Can I talk about a road movie thing really quickly? Yeah, of yeah. course. You guys seeing your way through your road movie selections reminded me that 
as a child, as a really normal, totally cool, really super normal child, I was obsessed with the Bing Crosby, Bob Hope road movies. Oh, wow. Um, And just like watch them endlessly. So there's like road to Morocco and road to Singapore and road to the Yukon. And it's just like, these, how, like how racist are they? Um, Singapore is not great. Uh, <laughs> I would guess Morocco is also not great. I imagine great. Yukon is mostly moose. <laughs> it just seems like it could be better. Yeah. Um, they are like the humor style is so good. And then everything else is a nightmare shit show around it. So how racist are they? It's a fun <laughs> question to ask about any older movie. Lots of movies. Yeah. yeah. M- m- many but of them, it turns out. One of my favorite song lyrics, you know, they would, they would, you know, sing little songs and all of them being Bing Crosby and Bob Hope and the road to Morocco song. There's a lyric in there. That's one of the best song lyrics of all time because it's, uh, we're off on the road to Morocco, like Webster's Dictionary, were Morocco bound. And that took my small child brain a long time to dissect, but it's that Morocco leather. Dictionaries are bound in Morocco leather, and they're uh, bound on the way to Morocco. And I was like, bro, these <laughs> lyrics are wasted I on movies that people don't watch anymore. <laughs> I didn't know that Morocco leather was a thing. That's news to me. I think I had to look it up. I think as a child, yeah. I was so puzzled by this that I looked it up. So. <laughs> Is this how Why you got... are pulling the dictionary into this? <laughs> Is this how you prepared for um, like the wordplay of Stephen Sondheim? Like this is what got you uh, up to that level. One of my favorite things as a kid, like, you know, we were, you and I both were musical kids, I think. And yeah. like something I loved to do is I would get an album of a musical that I hadn't seen and try to figure out what the plot was just based on listening to the song. Ooh. <laughs> do you remember I did that with Hamilton and I like texted you when they oh, put yeah. the Hamilton recording on like NPR and you had to like stream it oh off of God, the NPR website yes. and you had already seen it. And I was like, Katie, I think I thought all the King George songs were about an actual breakup and I was trying to like put the plot together and like having a really hard time. Which is funny because Hamilton is almost entirely sung. So like, you know, like I had never seen the Les Mis stage show, but I had listened to the recording of Les Mis. Right. So like I, I I knew what Les Mis, I mean, I guess it was also based on a book, so it was kind of easy to figure out. Uh, you know, I've been uh, watching Mamma Mia with my children and that is a mm. show that if you oh. listen to the songs, you would never, ever ever be able to figure out what it was about that makes sense i saw the uh sorry is this what the podcast is i saw uh, sure um, (laughs) did i tell you that i saw the alanis morissette musical jagged little pill with my sister no when you were in new york no here and it was in san francisco i didn't realize it was touring already yeah yeah and that was like jukebox musicals i'm curious what your guys' opinion of jukebox musicals are but like um normally i would say i don't like them and that's true and there was just something about like, you know how sometimes you could just give yourself over to the cringy thing that's happening in front of you mm-hmm. and you can just decide you're going to like it, mm-hmm. you know? And I like Jag Little Pill started and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> like I didn't choose to go to this. And I was like, oh, no. And then I was like, you know what? Why don't you just try to enjoy it? And then I did. So that's, well, for that's it to be my... cringy and to be something that like I'm assuming that you like I had a very deep emotional attachment to Jagged Little Pill uh, yeah. in its inception to see it turn into something like corny and for $150 tickets. There's something a little sad about that. But it was like, um, she steps to the center of the stage and puts one hand in her pocket and the audience is like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I will say this one chick saying who's saying you want to know she got all the best songs and she's not she was like the fifth lead and she got all the bangers from the album <laughs> but when she did you want to know i was like and she gets to do that every night i was like she like tore the house down but yeah it's yeah. about 
Did you ever see the musical Next to Normal? You know, that's about like the family. No, but I, I, I know of it. So it's kind of like that. It was about like a fucked up family yeah. and going going through things. And uh, it was actually pretty good. Okay. Um, I guess, I, or I just decided to like it. I'm generally a jukebox musical skeptic, just because like like the story needs to be in the songs. And like if you're like a tat like shoehorning a song into the something, like I I can see how it works. And like Mamma Mia is extremely fun, but like it's just not the same. It's not like the point of musicals. I think the the cringiest part of a jukebox jukebox musical. I can't say that phrase very well. Um, <laughs> is when some a character is named something and you know they're only named that because that name appears in one of the songs. That's what in you the think musical. that Andy Garcia is a Mamma Mia two character Fernando? Uh, <laughs> is it authentically <laughs> named that? <laughs> There's a character named Mary Jane in the Jagged Little Pill uh, musical, and I was like, yeah, that's the song. Um, Dave, do you have any jukebox musical opinions? No. Okay. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? <laughs> no, no, no. I was uh, my equivalent of this is like during the time period that you were probably listening to musicals and trying to figure out the plot. I like wrote a couple of papers, at least one actually in college, about what Tool albums were about. Wow. So that's like you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what type of criticism that is. For a while, I thought I was going to be a rock journalist. It's going to be fun and have have my good times and go see live shows. But now I uh, am not, uh, which also means I'm spared from like, you know, trying to get Taylor Swift tickets or anything. So also is rock journalist like a career even like less so than being a movie critic is these days. Like that feels like a true dying art. I can't think of a single notable rock critic right now. Right. I mean, there's music critics like that's a different thing. Like if you're a music critic, you're mostly not writing about rock. Oh yeah, I think if I was a rock critic, I would have declared it dead uh, in like I don't know, 2012 maybe. <laughs> but when when Jack White dies, we will have lost the last rock and roll star, and every everybody else just seems like DJ adjacent to me. Or maybe I'm old. I might just be getting old, guys. I found myself getting Ugh. really grumpy Ugh. at other people in the Fableman screening yesterday. <laughs> oh god. Okay, I, we're talking about Fablemans next week, so we'll we'll get there. You, Joanne, have you seen Fablemans yet? Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get there. The, I, don't want to I think the only musical journalist I know by name these days is Rob Sheffield, and I don't think he's even actively music journalisming anymore. But um, I don't read. I wouldn't naturally read a lot of music journalism anyway. So yeah, this is where I feel like I could learn a lot more about um, music if I uh, read more about it because I feel like I'm, like when the Grammy nominations came out, I like kind of didn't even read about it because I was like, yeah, I'll figure. For some reason, that's like it's an award narrative that I just cannot ever get myself into. There's that podcast, like blank songs that explain the '90s, that I oh, really enjoy. What network to. is that on, Dave? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, some sort of ringing <laughs> bell, some sort of bell network. Oh, okay. This is a real like tangent, but just thinking about Joanna's work, Joanna, we have not yet talked about Westworld getting canceled. And I don't really have feelings about it because I stopped watching it. But I like I I associate it so closely with you. And I feel like you might also be glad that it's over. But like, is it crazy that they just fully canceled it? Like, I'm glad I'm not like I. Yeah. I mean. They kept almost bringing it back and then, you know, almost getting back on track and then not like every season. Yeah. And it just became very exhausting trying to chase the logic of what they were doing. But they really only planned to do one more season. 
And like, I just, I think it's wild <laughs> that HBO didn't give them like, I don't even like a two hour movie to wrap up. They uh, came so you know. close to getting to wrap up their story. Cause I was, I was arguing with someone about this, a TV critic and they were like, they were mentioning carnival and some other like HBO shows that have been canceled, you know, before their time or whatever. I was like, sure, but Carnival was never like what Westwood was in its first season. Yeah. You know, like all over the Emmys, like a genuine cultural phenomenon. Like people know, you know, the repeated phrases of like that. And just because they blew their goodwill, which they did and heartily, like <laughs> I, I still respect Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan. And I think they deserve to, to wrap it up because now if someone is like, hey, should I even start Westworld in the future? People will be like, nah, it doesn't end. So like, why even start? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess in future, I would, t- if someone asked me, should I even bother with Westworld? I would say, just watch the first season and then pretend yeah. that that's, that's what where I was going to say. Know? Like, I don't really have regrets about the time I spent watching the first season of Westworld. Um, no. And like the less you think about where it goes from there, the better maybe. But I spent it- so much, so many hours of my life trying to understand what the fuck they were doing on that show. Do you think uh, that they would have been able to explain it to us in the end if we'd given them? They were gonna go back. I was like, oh, this is this is what's frustrating. And again, it's like I'm always looking for them to bring it back to the first season, which we liked. But they were gonna go back to the park. They were gonna loop it all the way back to the beginning, like the stuff, the good stuff, the stuff mm-hmm. we liked. That's what they're mm-hmm. gonna do in their final season. And I was like, okay, okay, once more, <laughs> let's just do it once more. Bring back all the characters I liked from season one. This time we'll do you it know. right. Yeah. So David, you've given up on Westworld? No, no. We, uh, Java and I watched the new season, the fourth season, as it was airing, and were very psyched about it up until like the last two episodes. Yeah, the last two. Just yeah. be- it seemed like it was really doing something, and then they're like, "Oh my god, we're out of time!" Uh, and uh, <laughs> let's kill everyone. <laughs> what if we just kill everyone? We don't know who we're getting back, so like we'll just we'll figure it out. We don't know what the budget will allow, so let's just kill everyone, so we don't have to bring anyone back. Yeah, exactly. we'll start with the people of color. Yeah, and then that's also where we'll end it. We'll yep. we'll end it there. Yeah, we'll have Ed Harris kill three incredible actors of color in a row, and that it'll be fine. Who and did he kill? Full Westworld spoilers. What happened? Tandy Newton. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Jeffrey Wright and Tessa Thompson. I was supposed to say, like, all the, boom, the, the, the three, the three uh-huh. most significant <laughs> <The> ones. <laughs> uh, and I was like, like, I was so weirded out by that move. I was like, this is really wild to see in the year of our Lord 2022. And then was like, don't worry, next season, blah, blah, blah. But there's not yeah, going to be a next season. Obviously. So, yeah. That's how it ends. It's also weird that it was Ed Harris, because if there was one character that I would say arced out in the first season, mm-hmm. it was Ed Harris. Yeah. yeah and Ed so Har- they're like, but they're like, nope, keep bringing him back. You know, it's funny. Ed Harris was at the Governor's Awards at the Oscars, uh, you know, the honorary Oscars over the weekend, sitting at the table for Peter Weir, who was getting the honorary Oscar and directed the Truman yeah, Show. Yeah. And I was like, how about Ed Harris? Like, you haven't seen him around in a while. What's he been up to? Just like, no knowledge whatsoever that he's been on Westworld for four years. <laughs> Hopefully paid well for his time. Yeah, he, he stuck around. He did. He, he was in for the long haul, it turns out. Which for do- a lot of times was him like in a weird sci-fi cooling suit with all of his arms like strung up. So it, it couldn't have been comfortable. Oh, know. yeah. Our, our, know show email, our show email for the final season was at harrisbodysuit at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did they do any better suit. by my my dear James Marsden or no? Him coming back, yeah. I remember being a whole thing. 
I mean, he was back. He was sure was there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I still have watched Disenchanted, which is another opportunity to support him. So maybe I'm really, the problem. Yeah. No, let's watch Disenchanted, Katie. Yeah. Maybe. All right. All right, Dave. We're going to say yeah. at the end of this episode that we're watching the Fablemans next week and then we're going to talk about Disenchanted. We're going to talk about Disenchanted. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with that. I think Java already watched it, but I was like, hey. That's that's Griffin Newman. He's a squirrel or a chipmunk yeah, or like I something. Think he's a chipmunk and then also a cat. Yeah, and she's like, "Who's that?" I'm like, "You met him at David's wedding." She's like, "I met a lot of people at David's wedding." <laughs> that's true. There were a lot of people at David's wedding. That's a fair point. Um, yeah, I've been watching Mamma Mia instead. Obviously, I'm trying to get the kids to watch it, and for some reason, Mamma Mia has been an easier sell than Disenchanted. I I don't know. Give, Do give the me boys like to sing along to? Uh, the songs? We. We it started because Charlie started was saying like I think a kid in class was just sort of being like Mamma Mia and I was started singing the song obviously <laughs> and so then I was like guys there's a movie about it because we were like playing ABBA music and like mm-hmm. they just like keep wanting to watch like the parts where it's just like Colin Firth singing a ballad on a yacht it's I don't know why I don't know why they like it yeah. I'm not like, guaranteeing we're gonna get through the whole thing our last summer yeah and they're like I mean, yeah I'm not saying that's like their favorite part but like they just like sit and watch it and then like uh, Super Trooper comes up and they're like they're into it I don't know Mamma Mia is not a good movie like no. I knew it wasn't a good like I remembered it, it it's chintzier looking and like more weirdly shot than I even remembered. Uh, it's incredible that that movie became such a global phenomenon. Oh, wait, I want to float this concept to you that I've been really working on. Again, this might be like me, the the great lowering of my standards as I get older because I just described <laughs> the uh, Jack and Lil Pill uh, musical, but this concept of a movie that's great but not good. Uh-huh. And that's how I feel about Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia 2. Here we go again. Mm-hmm. Like, it's great. It's not good though uh <laughs> yeah dave, dave do you have any thoughts about great but not good movies oh i feel like i have like most of my criterion collection personally are showa godzilla films and i would put a lot of them in that category mm-hmm. from like this is awesome when i was a kid i was into it now it is weird or like the thing uh katie you were talking about about your kids sitting down to watch colin firth sing a ballad <laughs> that was like legitimately me with Muppet Christmas Carol, the original cut oh, with the love is yeah. gone, where yeah. it's like now I watch that. I'm like, this is horrible. <laughs> but in my youth, I was like, yeah, here comes the big the big love song moment. Mm-hmm. Scrooge is going to sing. Was that not Maybe. in the cut when we were kids? No, it wasn't the cut when we were kids. When it came to Disney Plus, it, they took it out. Really? And now I think this year they're reestablishing it as the, the theatrical why'd they, cut. Why did they take it out? Because they also did not think it was good. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's really interesting. But uh, the, the original like VHS with the puppy cover and everything uh-huh. that my parents got me, that one had it. Oh, and the clamshell cover? Took it off. Yeah. yeah, the clamshell cover. Um, yeah. Katie, you watched Some Brides, Some Brothers, right? Uh, that was not in my repertoire. I have seen, like, I've not, I, I, yeah, I've seen clips, basically. There I know is... you have a deep affection for that one. Well, I do, but there's a, there's... There's a ballet, snow ballet, that's also wood chopping. That's the song is called Lonesome Polecat. And like, it's just these men talking about how they're sad and blue because they don't have a feminine polecat to be uh, to be true. Mm-hmm. And it's the most bizarre thing that you've ever seen in a musical. And my sister used to fast forward through it all the time when we were kids. And now I'm like, no, you have to. You have to take so that. So it's like a sad ballad one yeah like, it's the boring I think, part 
I think this is true, Mama Mia. Like, you, if you can't take me at my Colin Firth <laughs> ballad, you don't deserve me at my Super Trooper. <laughs> They're back to back. I uh, remembered uh, uh, having watched it. I watched Nope on Peacock on uh, today's Tuesday, Monday night, and then watched Mama Mia on Peacock the next day. Just the, the two genders, maybe. <laughs> Running the gamut. Did we talk? Yeah, we talked about Nope on this podcast, but I hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. What'd you think about Nope, though? I liked Nope. Like, I I don't think that it is as, like, airtight perfect as Get Out, which I think a lot of people have said, but it's, like, really beautiful. It kind of sucked watching it, it on my bad TV at home, honestly. Like, that first sequence at night where they first see the um, ship or the creature, jean jacket, um, I, like, almost couldn't see what was going on. <laughs> I had to, like, turn the lamp off next to me. Um, but Daniel Kaluuya is, like, I don't think there is any actor who does more being completely still than he does. Mm-hmm. Like he, he is, he is like a superpower with that. And having him with Kiki Palmer, who is like so chatty and like moves so much and like they're such different figures. It was really fun to watch them. I really liked you know it. that, that one shot, I think my favorite, there's so many beautiful shots in the movie, but there's one shot of Daniel Kaluuya in the truck at night and he's just perfectly still sitting there and it's, he's like perfectly lit and his like, you know, his eyes are just like gleaming in the darkness. And I it's one of the most beautiful shots I've ever seen yeah. in a movie. The whites of his eyes yeah. do more than many actors do with their entire bodies. And like, yeah, I, I, I'm assuming in Judas and the Black Messiah, that's true, too. But I think Jordan Peele very specifically knows what to do with Daniel Kaluuya's eyes. Um, Dave, today, uh, Dave and I recorded an episode of Trial by Content where we talked about movies about making movies. And mm-hmm. I almost brought up Nope. Because oh yeah, kind of because I mean, that's that's the plot. That's you gotta get the shot, the metaphor. <laughs> well, also you know anything that's about how maybe you shouldn't have animals or children on a movie set is always gonna speak to me. Specifically. Yeah, that's something we didn't talk about with the Fablemans, but also something I wrote down in my notebook. It's like real monkeys? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> I wrote down in my notes. Katie's gonna hate that this kid actor is gonna be on the on the circuit this year. I genuinely <laughs> did. Yeah, why are we still using uh, Real Monk? Okay, no, no, no. This is what we're going to do. It's going to piss Katie off. Katie had to go off podcast to deal with family things. Hopefully her children are fine. Uh, Hopefully. It, but, well, if they're not, first of all, nobody's going to be hearing this. Yeah. I'm going to cut this out for myself. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure they're fine. Um, we texted about, but haven't gotten to talk about Bob Switch over at Disney. Chapek out, Iger in. Do you have thoughts that are well, don't worry about the audience. Do you have thoughts that are interesting to me, Dave Gonzalez? Well, I don't know. Like, who's your audience on Fitware? Like, what do they care about? I don't know. I don't pay attention to them uh, except when they <laughs> give us five star reviews. Is this on the show or not? <laughs> yeah, it's on the show. <laughs> I, I'm asking about the Bob. The Bob switch. I was just, I was just gonna say, like, I, I feel like it's a missed opportunity if we don't have both of you kind of walk us through the meaning of the Bobs because when it happened, I was like on GChat being like, Dave. Tell me what this means. Yeah. So what I garnered since it happened to more answer Katie's question is that uh, Disney streamings lost uh, over a billion dollars. The parks have rebounded, but customer satisfaction seems to be lagging. Uh, people did not like how he publicly uh, steered the company a la Don't Say Gay Bill and uh, 
the Scarlett Johansson thing and moving, trying to move a whole bunch of Imagineers from Los Angeles to Florida uh, that caused like a whole bunch of mass resignations. Just seems to be like a huge PR PR kerfuffle. Uh, So unceremoniously got booted, like doesn't even we don't have a statement from Bob Chapek being like, you know, it was an honor to blah, blah, blah. Just yeah, they just renewed his contract in June for three years. That line in the um, in the thing was like, we thank Bob Chapek for his service going forward, like immediately (laughs) moving on from him. It was incredible. So moving on, we got the old Bob. He's better than the new Bob. Definitely kicks some dirt in his face, but like Joanna said, his deal's re-upped, so that means whatever his severance package was is coming in full, so he's he'll be fine. My uh, question okay. yeah. Oh, well, my when- question is just what do you what do we what do we think Iger's gonna do? Because he has this directive to basically find he's gonna be there for two years, they say. Uh he's gotta find his successor and he's gotta like sort of put the company back on track. And so far he sent out emails saying he's gonna, you know, reorient to creativity and storytelling, which he thinks are the the roots of the Disney brand. I think the additional so the 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 mandate and it started with Bob Iger, but the mandate for Disney Plus was like content, content, content. Mm-hmm. But that has resulted in tarnishing the like it's very valuable brands like diluting i guess the better word marvel and lucasfilm are no longer i mean lucasfilm was already sort of like up and down but like well and pixar they ghettoed pixar so now yeah. and then lightyear kind of in well, theaters and so. there's like never been a real explanation for that for like why turning red was only ever on disney plus like that's still a mystery right so i COVID. think it's just be- like bob Chapek did job bob Chapek just like didn't care about pixar and like was that seems to be what it feels like i don't think he's ever said that chapek was also just like unanimously hated like there's no Mm -hmm. one there's like he was just not he's he's a money guy not a talent guy uh not a politician and like usually politician i would use as a negative but you know i just mean like there's no diplomacy no finesse to what he does and so i had i've heard subsequently from several people that um like high ups in the Disney infrastructure um, were planning to not renew their contracts if it was under Bob Chapek. So there was Whoa, sort of like this wow. executive slash creative revolt going like rippling through the company um, at his leadership. So um, it's funny because like uh, another friend of mine had told me and Dave knows this, but had told me in like May that Bob Chapek would be out by the end of the year. Whoa. And, then, and I was like, oh, okay. And then June, they renewed his contract. I was like, well, I guess that person was wrong. And then <laughs> Bob Chapek's gone. It's November. And I was like, okay. Wow. Um, but yeah, so I, I think bungling a lot of relationships, that's a big part of all of it um, internally and externally. Who's Dana Walden's partner again? The Her boss, essentially, that got like unceremoniously... Booted. It's not Peter Turnin, is it? Oh, at the, the the like seven minute firing or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's like Peter Rice. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Like she she correct. replaced him. Right, and like I love Dana. I think she's well. I mean, I don't know her personally, but I think mm-hmm. she's enormously talented. So I like really respect her. But like that was just like one of those moves where you're like, this isn't 
this isn't smooth and this isn't how like disney likes to run business they like to run their business where like it's a plastic lake on top and you don't see the churn underneath at all and that's just was not happening in the chapik administration so yeah so like the question like i get if you work for disney celebrating bob Iger returning and like you know wanting like hollywood to be stable but i still can't figure out like for me someone who watches disney content and cares about hollywood like should i be excited are there like specific things that we anticipate happening as a result of all this um, I would, I mean, it's really split in terms of like the internet rumors as to what's going to happen with Star Wars, but I would say, uh, Pixar's going back to theaters. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that feels like it would have happened quickly. anyway, right? I mean, not with the light year, num- light years numbers. I think Chapek's going to do it to make them feel better. Like what's the uh, next Pixar movie going to oh, be? Oh, Iger's. Iger's. Yeah. Sorry. Iger's going to do it to make, make them feel better because you know, he's one of He's going to check in with all the stuff he bought before he goes on to do, you know, whatever. So I would expect. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I was thinking more uh, by Netflix. Um, But like there's he has to staunch the streaming bleeding somehow. So for me, the easy things is like Pixar goes back into theaters. Yeah. Uh, A Star Wars movie gets greenlit. And they have a Marvel-esque road ahead they actually stick to this time. Uh, whether or not that involves Kathleen Kennedy, there's a lot of rumors about that each way just because she's a polarizing figure to Always Star is. Wars fans. Yeah. Um, and I would say Marvel might end up having less that content. exactly what I was going to say. Marvel will do less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so it's, my sense is that my sense i don't know how much weight you should put on my sense but like that kevin feige and his people immediate reports stuff like that know they're doing too much and know they're stretched thin and know that their quality is not you know they're not as in control as they were even just a couple years ago Mm -hmm. mostly almost entirely as a result of disney plus right yeah like what other factor would have done that exactly no i think it's uh, i mean i think they have a really good niche where it's of all the things on Disney Plus, uh, like um, I think Marvel is probably the thing they're most willing to just burn money on mm-hmm. because it did survive the pandemic and Chapek yeah. as being like a profitable arm. But I do think it'll be much more like event, like well they'll have one offs, like the special presentations or whatever. Or if they thing, have yeah. a series, it'll be like an event series. It won't be like this year we have six, you know, Disney Plus Marvel series. Seriously, it's untenable. I mean, we had a lot. I don't think maybe six is too much, but there was Miss Marvel, uh, She Hulk. Was was Falcon and the Winter Soldier this year? Is that last year? That was last year. Last year. Well, Joanna, you were always by night. Oh yeah, I didn't know that existed. Um, you always said like make Star Wars special again. Yeah, like about like after Rogue One and everything like that, and like it kind of is in a position to be like that. I don't know if Marvel's ever going to be like as rare as star wars it doesn't really seem to make sense based on how that universe works but like maybe that's some of the the guiding spirit there i think i think something like andor is really encouraging for like i'm there's a world in which a bob chapek would look at what andor has done and said um it's not making it's not drawing enough eyeballs so mm-hmm. we're not gonna i mean they were gonna do season two but like we're not gonna support it or whatever and i think bob Iger looks at something like an andor which has wild critical acclaim and feels you know to the people a lot of people that matter in the fandom that it is like one of the best things lucasfilm has done 
and years and years and years and says that's a valuable thing for our brand to support. And that's a big difference between those two Bobs and those two creative minds. Mm -hmm. And I do think that like Marvel, Marvel, if it's never going to be, yeah, super rare, but I, uh, you know, none of these things are, but I think it just needs to be less of a churn so that they can make everything feel like special and like they're not scrambling because the thing about Marvel and television and, you know, Dave, I promise not to tweet the whole book as we talk about this, but it's just sort of like (laughs) they unlocked how to make films. And I think they didn't really understand how different it is to make a television show. Even though the Marvel movies have been so serialized. Yeah, but it's it's different production wise because Marvel movies have this whole like built in reshoot window yeah. where they're just like, fuck it, we'll fix it in post sort of thing. And you can't do that on a TV schedule. And you certainly yeah. can't do a lot of things you need on a TV budget. Like really recently, the Armor Wars TV show was sort of upgraded to a film. And the reason that Nate Moore, one of the top Marvel producers, gave was budgetary. We couldn't do what we needed to do with Armor Wars, which is going to be focused on Don Cheadle's character and have a lot of Iron Man suits in it, presumably um you know on the tv budget and that tells us a lot about where the tv production level is that's something like those of us who watch it could tell us tell you like with our eyeballs but like (laughs) that's a confirmation about like the the gap between um production value there so yeah so it'll be interesting to see what the next steps are because i i i could see creatively like that's basically what we're talking about i have no idea business-wise how you write a ship that's losing a billion dollars on the thing that you invented that's the other thing it's not like bob J- bob jpeg had to run disney plus for a little while but it's bob Iger's like baby he's yeah. the one who restructured the company to put more content on the streaming thing so he's not blameless because they sort of did uh, what he did and also bob jpeg was bob Iger's pick for successors so yeah definitely fucked up there but disney plus um, isn't quibby like it wasn't like a blatantly bad idea disney plus will continue on like it's a value to the company it's just not the way it was being run yeah they just have to figure out what they're going to do with streaming um because they're still even though they got hulu and disney plus they're still lagging behind like a netflix and netflix is not like a great company yeah. Uh, in terms of investment uh, either, because they're like perpetually in debt uh, all the time. And it's sort of unclear uh, if their subscriber model is going to be able to continue to hold. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to all that. Uh, if they start, you know, shedding maybe some of their sports connections to sort of make the machine a little bit leaner or splitting that off into something else entirely uh, beyond like ESPN. I, I don't I don't know. What's going to happen? Or but I'm, I, I can't remember what the timeline is on the Hulu, like the idea that they might move. They're going to move Hulu and FX and various other things just be tiles on Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. That always seemed like it was going to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but so like, just make like the international Disney star, but yeah. America Disney Plus. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a, a question for you as a as a Marvel normie. Like the extent to which Black Panther was like tied up in Julie Louis Dreyfus and whatever other show stuff had been going on, is there a is, is there a sense from other people that that was a real detriment to the movie? Like the movie made is making money, so I guess maybe no one's worried about it. But like, is that something anyone's going to be thinking about about how they incorporate the shows into the movies? I mean, right now it's a slow, it's underperforming what people were assuming Black Panther was going to do. Yeah, uh, and then yeah. A lot of the reviews or and criticisms are like this stuff was great and honored Chadwick Boseman, and then there was a lot of other stuff 
and yeah. people's mileage on the other stuff, you know, sort of varies. But it, I think it's just it's burnout. Uh, this is, you know, still technically Wakanda Forever was a pandemic film. Uh, so eventually they'll clear all of that and hopefully uh, have some rest time. But I like when it was still Bob Chapek and uh, Kevin Feige announced like the next two phases. And I'm like, oh, and I can't wait to see what other movies and shows they announce in there. Now I'm thinking like maybe two or three things we don't know about, but it's not going to be like the past three years have been where it's like, and you know, uh, what is it? Echo's getting her own series out of like Hawkeye and blah, blah, blah. Like that, that stuff I think is going to be tamped down um, yeah. just to make it lesser. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what happens if uh, Star Wars does become special again, but uh, or otherwise. Or become movies again. I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Boba Fett and Obi-Wan should have been movies. That's just true. Those shows should have been movies. Andor is a great TV show and should be a TV show. And that's that's the un, that's the interesting conversation that like so uh, we were Sean and I over the ring were talking about this a lot in terms of Fleischman is in trouble like that should have been a movie. That's a movie. Mm. You know what I mean? Like what's a TV show and what's a movie is a big interesting question always but like especially right now as and eventually at some point someday this streaming wars bubble is gonna have to burst right like it has or it's to. bursting in front of our eyes right yeah it's like disney and netflix are bleeding out in front of us you know but like who's the last man standing and that's gonna be you know and then this this content frenzy has to cool off right katie <laughs> tell me yes <laughs> I assume so. Like, are we going to feel really bereft when there's not like a big new show coming out every week? Or are we going to feel relieved? It's like the question we ask ourselves about Twitter, right? Like, do I need this and this space in my life? When I was in living in life? New York, I would uh, get together with my friends every Monday and we would watch a TV show. <laughs> and we like in August, we would get together and have like a little meeting about like the, you know, autumn season and what shows were premiering on what things like. I watched Pan Am for its entire run. Wow. Just because it was a show we picked. You were on the so ground not... floor on Margot Robbie. It was like yeah, just I'm, you. Just me. It was just me. <laughs> um, and uh, it's like, I would be happy to go back to that again. What happens when everything's like a big exclamation point thing? Like it's a Star Wars or it's a Marvel or it's Pixar's first TV show, whatever that's going to be. Like that's fine but it's the experience that i like with content is like when we get to go to a film festival and you just walk into something you have no idea what it is mm -hmm. and the, the possibility of being surprised is so much more worthwhile than uh, the thrill where uh oh yeah it's hayden christensen and the darth vader mask this time like that's yeah. like great but also like i could have fanfic that and like I never would have come up with something like Andor, uh, Andor's story. So I'm I'm willing to, you know, start rolling the dice on things. The only good thing about like cable is it gave you access to all the channels, and it wasn't like a company based thing. It, we are gonna have to go through the time period that Joanna's talking about, where it's like Disney Plus to get my FX. Like this is my tab that I'm gonna go for for adult things. Yeah. Um. And that sort of feels like, you know, it's all coming through the same pipeline uh, and maybe is sort of anti-competition. But 
expected. I, I think we're going to go back to something that looks like TV. There's just wow. so many things. There's so many things that are built into advertising and production that were built around the idea that you had to, you know, sell people something that they got for free over the airwaves that trying to abandon that and being like a subscriber makes sense uh, is weird in the age of like the disruptor because what they're basically saying is there's a ceiling on the amount of money you could make. Like if everybody is subscribed to Disney plus and Disney plus costs six ninety nine, the only way to get more money out of those people is to charge everybody seven ninety nine or something like that. There's no way to scale based on like audience subscriber method is so weird and gross. Listen, can I ask you a topical question Mm -hmm. based on what Dave just said? You just cut the cord. How do you feel about that? I mean, literally like two days ago, I don't think our cable subscription. It's it's really like the amount of times that we would use our cable box was three times a year. I think it was just inertia that was keeping it being like, well, sometimes I need to watch the Oscars and like, how are we going to get our sports? Um, It feels insanely overdue. It feels like I'm still going to wind up with way more than I need in terms of like television. I don't know that there's like if I get Hulu live, I'm still going to have access to like Lifetime or something like that. Right. Um, But my entire viewing life is like hopping around from different apps. It's really the moments where it's like, oh, shit, that's available on Peacock. I'm not paying for Peacock right now. Do I really want to pay for Peacock? And I, I wonder how much people really cobble things together for themselves like that so they can watch um nope which is you know where i watch peacock um but yeah mia. i'm feeling good or or mama mia um but yeah they're like there's enough to watch anywhere like i don't get how anyone who doesn't do all this stuff that we do for our jobs subscribes to anything more than like one streaming service like has the time to do anything else or can figure out what they want to watch i don't I, maybe that's what this show is for to help people figure out what to do with their time well <laughs> i mean that's writing a service that's the mandate from Disney, right? And Netflix and all of them is like, how do you make yours your if people can only have one, mm-hmm. how right. is yours the must yeah. see, the one yeah. they have to have? And I really did think that Disney really had that nailed given their IP power, but yeah. um you know, who knows? Um But they don't was, have the shows. They don't have the like House of the Dragon the bear they don't have like the like the tv show that you really want to talk about they've got the ip and like the movies but that that I level of momentum is what they've had mandalorian I, is the closest i guess mando loki wandavision those would be like the three things that i think rose above the yeah. you know the normies as you as you call us um <laughs> I don't I don't myself take i don't take offense um yeah, that's interesting. Kitty, you mentioned Twitter. Do you want to talk about Twitter? Yeah, we should talk about Twitter. Um, hey. I, I think it's not going to die. This is my new theory. I, I, think, I think, I don't think so either. I think we're going to stay. Like, I'm I'm not leaving. Like, I mean, unless things, something unforeseen happens, I'm going to stick around. And, like, and I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I, I need to find the gif of like Jack and Rose on the, on the Titanic, like with it, like holding under the railings, going down with that guy who's like drinking out of the flask. Like I'm, I'm the guy drinking out of the flask, hanging on. Um, <laughs> but like most of my friends are too. Like I've seen a couple people like say that they're properly leaving. Like aside from the, like that Thursday night where everyone's like, goodbye, my friends, I'm a better person for having known you. And then nothing happened. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like it's so it, funny. It was really funny. I mean, I was part of it, but it was so funny because even even as I was engaging in it, because I'm like, what if it is? Mm-hmm. I was like, 
this definitely is not going to be it and we're going to be so embarrassed tomorrow. And then that's, I feel that's... bad for anyone being embarrassed. Like, whatever. Say, yeah. say your feelings. Um, do you want Twitter to die, though? Like, now that the possibility of a Twitterless future is before us, do you kind of wish that it could go? I love Twitter and I don't want it to go anywhere. <laughs> that's mostly how I, I feel. I hate Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always hated Elon Musk. And so I... If there is a world in which we could have Twitter without Elon, that's the most ideal of mm-hmm. all possible worlds. Um, could have have joined like Hive and Mastodon, et cetera, and I, as I know you guys have, mostly to kind of camp out on my username just in mm-hmm. case. Yeah. Um, and you know, and just sort of like start to familiarize myself with it, just in case you know that sort of stuff. But like, I'm not abandoning Twitter. I've lost, you know not insignificant number of followers in the exodus but like i don't think it's going anywhere and i think people will ultimately come back i just i don't know what do you think dave oh yeah i don't know it's weird uh because we're we're having i i i'm everybody is shunted in this position all the time it's just weird to see it with uh twitter uh the being so public where it's like i hate the man who is running this service i hate the way that this company is set up look into any of the gigantic companies that are providing your food that are providing your clothes you know anything no like ethical that consumption under capitalism is that what exactly you're, you're oh, gonna hate the, the person one. it's just this one is uh this service is the one where the head guy is like Watch we all know he's watching Tweeting us dunk through on him. It. Yeah, yeah, is the loudest and most visible and wants you to talk about him. Yeah. And it's like there's no way that even right now we're in a very sweet spot where it's like everybody who actually knows about these services and who knows about tech businesses and who knows about social networks is like, this is bad. This is all going in a bad direction. There's nobody with authority out there except for people who have already given Elon Musk money that are <laughs> saying that anything that he's doing is a good idea. So it's kind of fun. It's like, I don't know, having a party in an abandoned house. Uh, <laughs> it's just we we don't get to leave after we fuck it up. It's just at some point, it's just going to be fucked up for a while. But like I said, or what if it's first, not? I mean, it will be. The Babylon Bee's back. There's nothing good that comes from that. There's nothing What's good. The like Babylon Bee? Yeah, what is the Babylon Bee? It's one of the banned accounts uh, for spreading misinformation. Oh, oh, uh, it's one types... of those like uh, like bad fake onion ones. It's like a Daily Wire sort of thing. It's just a whole bunch of trash opinions pretending to be like actual news. You know that I've muted Trump and all reference to Trump on Twitter. Well, see, for that's years the thing. I've done, I, I, I did it because as... you did, and it makes Twitter infinitely better. But like, as soon as Babylon B like, comes reinst- back. He was reinstated, but he's not like back, right? Like his right. The second okay. he comes back, I'll block him. But like anytime these things come back and I hear about it, I block them because you can still make the service what you want it to be. Yeah. Until that's not an option anymore, which is still like on the like if if you pay Twitter, you know, fifty bucks for the gold verification, you could unblock yourself. Like that's not out of the realm of possibility in this like Wild West version. So we're actually like Aww. pretty we're we're pretty we're in a pretty good place right now where like things are definitely breaking but we could still uh keep our communities intact at some point that's going to become permeable because you just if you 
ghetto everything, you're going to have one side of the, you know, Twitterverse that's just like N-words and Nazis and everybody else. And I think eventually if we get to that, the numerical values are going to scare us normies. Mm, yeah. Because like the reality is Trump won the 2016 election. All of those people, well, luckily, you know, not luckily, some of them passed away because they didn't believe in vaccine science. But like <laughs> all those people are still uh, around. And uh, as we've learned in Colorado's third district with Lauren Boebert, they still slightly outnumber us yeah, in some places. Some of them. Some, yeah, but definitely on Twitter. If, if all of a sudden, well, if the floodgates are open and all of a sudden you're not allowed to curate your own experience, but like thought, that's why advertisers are leaving. I said that like so much, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying we're a massive majority, but yeah. I thought there were so many studies that revealed that a lot of that N-word and Nazi aspect of Twitter is, is bots and like farm, you know, farmed accounts or whatever yeah i mean that's not all also- i'm not saying i'm not denying their existence i'm just saying amplified to seem like a super majority when in fact they're not yes and that is possible but if we're talking about like a numbers on a tech platform they're functionally the same thing like if you know people start tweeting i don't know anti-hispanic hate shit at me am i going to care whether or not they're real or do i just need to start muting thousands of accounts like yeah i guess it's a question of like if like all all these people come flooding back to follow the babylon bee and leave me alone do i care and like obviously there's always the possibility that like trolls are going to show up in your mentions because that happens to anyone who's on the internet but like that's what twitter's always been and so like if i've got trump muted and like don't follow any of this shit and my friends are still there why would i leave yeah, no, I think that's all completely valid. It's it just at this point, uh, like the asshole in chief over there can flip a switch and turn all of that off whenever yeah. he wants. And sure. that's the weird thing, because that's the disruptor attitude that I'm perfectly fine if he's applying to electric car batteries or reusable rockets, because those don't affect me at this point. Uh, but Twitter, you know, just dis- having a tech-based solution to a social network feels wrong because a social network uses tech it's not it's not something that can or should be disrupted i've just like having to confront this even though we knew like something like this was coming for so long because of the whole long legs of this dumb elon deal but i was still like very hopeful that it wouldn't happen but mm-hmm. um i'm just forced to confront i mean like we we're allowed to talk about our our g chat right on this uh, podcast you you dear listeners are not invited (laughs) we intentionally have a group chat that like is helps us navigate our like frustrations with twitter right like yeah that's why it was invented in the first place that little like group chat that we're in but the reason we have to have that is because all three of us and other people in that chat are like heavy twitter users right Mm -hmm. and like i'm having to confront how much I've come to rely on Twitter. I was like, oh my God, where will I get my news now? And I was like, uh-huh. why are you getting your news from Twitter? There that's is a, the news. That's a problem. That problem. <laughs> that's yes. a problem. Yep, I had that same um, thought. You know, like, 
I'm getting it from like the New York Times or whatever, but on Twitter, like uh-huh. that's where I'm used to going to look for it. Yep. Um, if, if if I question about what's going on with something, I put it into a Twitter search. To uh, find when out, Bob Iger you know? came back, the yeah. Twitter was the first place I went. I was so glad Twitter was still there because it was hilarious. Yeah. As always, when news happens, that is the place you want to go to see a bunch of people processing it at the same time. Or like, you know, watching House of the Dragon on a Sunday night or like, mm-hmm. you know, like Elon Musk is a fucking idiot. But that idea of it being like a town square, a big resource, a big resource for those of us in the media who have things to like promote and stuff like that. It's part mm-hmm. of our job. I, like the idea of this is going to sound so vain and petty. And I apologize to your fit where listeners that they have to hear me say it. But like I spent a long time building up my following on Twitter and yeah. it's going to bother me if that just goes away. Like it already and- bothers me on Hive and Mastodon. I'm like, I would come here more if more people wanted me here. Yeah, I was like, like, this is an embarrassing number of followers. I can't believe to start from scratch. Are you kidding me? I know. Um, So that sounds so terrible. I understand. But like, and at the end of the day, like if, if you told me that me leaving Twitter would like uh, bankrupt Elon Musk, I might Mm -hmm. consider doing it, but like, it's Mm -hmm. not going to, right? No. Here, all right, so here's my question about Mastodon. Like, Hive, I have joined, and every time I open the app, it takes, like, a minute to load, and I don't know what the yeah. deal with that is. But so, the Mastodon I joined it, I haven't really been on it much. And then I saw this whole thread being like, just a heads up, if you've joined this one specific Mastodon instance, it's joined a reputation for transphobia. So if you're on it, they will associate with transphobes. And I was like, hang on a second. I barely yeah. even know how this thing works. And if you're going to tell me that doing it wrong will make people assume I'm a transphobe, do I want to join this thing? It sounds like a mess. I got very uh, pre-exhausted when I saw that. And I was like, <laughs> and my server, I joined the San Francisco Bay Area server. That's because I was just like overwhelmed and didn't know what to pick. Uh-huh. That's what I picked. And then it it crashed a couple of days ago. And I was like, oh, are you, do like, I, like, I start good? again? No. And then I like came back like, co- like a day later or whatever. But I was like, but I didn't know what was going on. And then you know what I did? I went to Twitter. It was like <laughs> Mastodon <laughs> crash and Twitter had nothing for me. So I was like, I don't know what's happening. Oh, no. Where else would you find it? Uh, I joined Which, the coffee server because Dave did. Um, but I don't even, yeah, really the even coffee know what it's server. up to. I don't know what's going on over there. Is well, it, is it, is it, is it transphobic? Okay, good. <laughs> for now. And it's like, and, and like, do you, jo- I mean, I don't like to complain too much about how I don't understand Mastodon because I think it makes me sound very old. But like Richard Lawson, our beloved Richard Lawson, joined like five different servers simultaneously. He and did? I was like, yeah, if you type in Richard Lawson, because I was looking for people I know to follow and I typed in Richard Lawson, it was like multiple Richard Lawson's came up at various different servers. And I was Are like, they all Richard or is one of them yeah, uh, Beyonce's I mean, they all stepdad? Have the, they all have the Condé Nast Union like logo. Wow. And so I was like, oh, is is that what I'm supposed to be doing? <laughs> no. But that's Dave, a you... way to go about it, but that's weird. Dave, are you any so, better at Mastodon? I mean, I'm a little bit better of understanding how it works, but I haven't quite figured out how to like execute it yet. But yeah, if you're part of an instance and that instance gets weird, uh, instance would be the na- what they call the server, but like, if there's somebody that like starts collecting it, it's like, hey, I started a coffee.social or whatever everybody get on the coffee.social that instance is allowed to police itself to a certain degree so that's how you get something you're talking about where it's like it has a reputation for having transphobes yeah Yeah. because it's like that is a community made for those people and you could follow people even if you're not part of their instance that's part of the decentralized part of mastodon but 
the part of it not being <laughs> the part of it being decentralized means you could run across the JK Rolling server or the uh, transphobe server. And they're not, like, gonna label themselves we like, Kate groups or, like, something like that. They could, but you could also just be part of it, and it's like finding a favorite bar, and you're like, this is my favorite bar, and then that bar becomes a Nazi bar very slowly, and you're like, oh, no, my favorite <laughs> bar is the Nazi bar. Like, that sort of can happen on Mastodon a little bit more than, like, Twitter or Hive. Like, can you, okay, this is, this is, Joanna sounds old and ask Dave for advice on Mastodon. Can you... If you decide, if you find out your favorite bar, your instance, by the mm-hmm. way, that sounds so sci-fi. Like that sounds like a, like Philip K. Dick novel to be like, well, if your instance, um, or Neil Stevenson well, novel, they're called maybe, toots. Like, so that kind of counterbalances it. You're, right. you're tooting like, on an instance. Oh no. <laughs> but like if, if my instance, the SF Bay area becomes problematic, can I port my profile to another instance yeah, without you can like jump instance whenever you want? Without yeah. losing my followers, or I did that okay. because I started in a local instance, but it was called Triangle Toot dot Party, and I just couldn't live with that. <laughs> I could not have that be <laughs> me. So I'm trying to figure out. Uh, I, I, I then joined the coffee instance, but I don't know if I can follow the people I was on there. Before. I don't know. I, it, so it, what what you could do is like, I, which might be what's happening with Richard Lawson is you start a new instance on that account you uh go, there's like a move option mm-hmm. and you put in your old instance and it'll move all of your followers and the people you're following over to your new instance uh the reason why someone like richard might want to just have a lot is it doesn't like automatically delete your old instance yeah. You have to go back and do that. So if Richard's like, no, I want to be part of this, and then starts another one and then migrates his followers, you could still be following him, but he just also could be all of those people in all those instances. <sighs> Everything everywhere all at once. Oh yeah. My God. So it's a lot. And, uh, Wouldn't it just be simpler if we indict Trump and heck, let's indict Elon uh-huh, while we're at it. Uh-huh. And we then some other... Back. Also, guys, I know I would I I am because I admit it's on Twitter. I pay for Twitter blue purely for the edit button. But like I would pay for Twitter. Like if that's the problem, I would pay. I get a lot of value out of Twitter. I would pay if someone's like, well, I guess you I'm are paying for it Twitter. if you pay for Twitter blue. I am right now. Yes. And I, mean, I don't like paying Elon Musk. I'm not going to be mean I, to you about it. We are all I'm I'll, paying I will Jeff Bezos deeply money. consider not paying for Twitter blue. But I will just say I enrolled in it before Elon. And I'm like, do I have to lose? Katie, what it does is every time I compose a tweet, it like gives me a pause stage to say, stop, <laughs> read your tweet. Did you put a dumb Joanna typo in it? What a no. smart Okay, let's thing go into the do. world. I can't believe they're I just know. making you pay for it, but you know. I was like, I need this drafting stage. Because you know. I, you, you edited me for years. You know I need that. So. When you when you draft in the CMS, you're courting danger. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> that's you what this what tweets you know are. About me. <laughs> I wrote something well, in the might, CMS today, and I thought of you. He might jump ship uh, because you know what Elon Musk doesn't like is discovery. That's why he ended up with Twitter after trying to pull out anyway. So if he gets in a big enough fucking lawsuit, he will pull and run because but, like, he does not want. Who's gonna buy it from him? I mean, that's, you know, yeah, then, then that depends it. on how much he's selling it for. 
Is he going to get $44 billion again? Absolutely not. But how low is he willing to go to not have, you know, more of his text messages become public record? That's with that. That uh, would be like the, the line. Okay. Anonymous members of Anonymous who are also listening to Fitware, <laughs> please continue to expose Elon Musk so I can have my dumb website back that I really yeah. like a lot. You know, um, Mackenzie Scott recently gave $18 million to the Durham public school system, like, you know, unsolicited the way she does everything. And I was like, yeah. $44 billion. Like, not that Elon was ever going to, like, give her, give his money away like that. But then I'm just like, maybe billionaires shouldn't swoop in and buy Twitter and just, like, do something else with their money. It's- yeah. I mean, it, he does set goals for himself that would sound nice and sound like a, you know, thing about, like, he's going to, you know, end world hunger. He's going to yeah. take us to Mars. He's going to, you know, save those kids who were flooded in, the, 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 yeah, the, he the really, cave kids. I really thought he was going to do that. I mean, but that's the thing. If <laughs> he had accomplished one of those things, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. But so far, what he does is uh, uses his ill-gotten apartheid money <laughs> to buy a company and then use what essentially is just business sense to be like, there's a hole in the market here. Let's fill it. Which, that's a fine business person thing, but that's not like an altruist or something. Like, yeah, that's not save the world shit. Yeah. Speaking Elon- of... Yeah, the, the, the dumbest thing that I could put on, like, Elon Musk has an entire site where people just dunk on him rightfully, <laughs> and he responds to them with, like, a goofy face. Uh, like, the worst thing uh, Amazon did in that sphere this year was make a Lord of the Rings show that some people didn't like. Like, there's a way to be a billionaire to just sit back, quietly be evil, and mm-hmm. make lots of money, but not be on the tip of everybody's tongue every time. Do you think mm-hmm. Bezos and Zuckerberg are like... Thank you know, like uh, it's no, the having huge meta problems. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bezos, however, is just being silently evil. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that, like, um, you know, the whole like Twitter main character thing? Like, you don't want to be the main character on Twitter, and Elon is making himself the main character every on single day, every mm-hmm. day. But it's like what, it's have, what he wants. But I have him muted as well because, again, yeah, they just wanted like the Trumps and the Elons just want attention. Um, to bring it back to Westworld. In season three of Westworld, whenever that aired, um, there was this in the background, there were these rockets that were going down. And I was like, that's a cool like little future thing that they just put in the background of a shot. And then all these weird Elon Musk fanboys and girls, I presume, were like, how dare you that disrespect the genius that is Elon like that is an Elon. And I was like. Oh no, and that's when you're forced to confront the like simps for billionaires, which are a scary mm-hmm. segment of the population. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you simping for Elon Musk? Are you kidding me? He didn't invent Tesla. He bought Tesla. What are you talking about? I'd like to buy things. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to buy companies and then tell them I did it. You'll gotten apartheid gains. <laughs> I mean, it's uh it's it's, true. it's a weird time. Uh Katie. Do you want to push the crown another week? Yeah, let's push the crown another week. I was trying to look up who have got muted, and uh, for some reason I can't figure out where it is, which um, might tell you that I need to learn how to use Twitter better. Um, yeah, let's push the crown another week, unless Joanna, I mean, Joanna, you watch all the crown. Uh, Dominic West is too hot to play Charles, right? I'm not the only one with this opinion anymore, Katie. Many people are saying it. <laughs> Many people are saying it. There was a Many whole Vogue article about it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, way too hot, way too charismatic to play Charles. This is not me dunking on Charles. It's just Charles needs to be like a nermy guy, 
like a Josh, yep. O'Con- Josh O'Connor's good looking. Mm-hmm. But he needs to be like a nermy kind of guy. And, and Dominic yeah. West is like, I have a lot of, I ooze magnetism. Yeah. You and need to be whole- like, I don't get it, but Camilla really loves him. And there's something kind of sweet about that because he sucks yeah. so much. But if the whole premise of the like, or part of the premise of the Charles Diana attention is he's jealous of the attention she gets because she's naturally charismatic. He needs to be a deeply uncharismatic Mm-hmm. person which and is what the real prince charles is yep by being like super watchable but also like kind of repugnant at the same time mm-hmm. whereas dominic west is just sort of like and so then they had to like fanfic create this whole plot for him in this season where he's like trying to push his mom like they game of thronesified this season and invented this whole story of charles <laughs> trying, trying to like yeah get her get, to abdicate abdicate which didn't happen i mean at least according to john major etc and yeah. i'm just like all of that exists so that you can justify casting Dominic West, <laughs> which you shouldn't have done in the first place. And then Meanwhile, they show him breakdancing. Elizabeth Debicki is exquisite. She's, She's wonderful. She is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Well, okay, Dave. Yeah. I mean, maybe we could just do Crown real quick. I made you watch The Crown <laughs> to edit Still Watching for Vanity Fair. I feel like mm-hmm. through, through knowing me, you have learned more about the royals than you ever intended. Has The Crown made you interested in the royals as people at all or do you only are you only interested in the show as drama only interested in the show as a television show on netflix okay uh because it does look really good for that and it is the type of show like i said used to not be discerning in tv uh so i could tune in and watch good performances uh but it does feel weird occasionally uh, because I'm, I'm not a monarchist. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't think the crown was ever going to turn you into one of those. I'm not sure that it can turn anyone to, into that. Really, uh, you can. I think as an American, you can watch the show and be interested in it and be like, yeah, maybe these people don't need to. I mean, I think it, the okay. argument that Mallory was making when we were recording about the crown is, I was like, I said the exact same thing, and I stole it from Emma Darcy, which is, I'm not a monarchist, but like, <laughs> I'm not a monarchist, and Mallory's like. I think you watch this show and you don't, you aren't a monarchist. You know what I mean? Like the show is not like the Royals, aren't they great? You know what I mean? Well, like, and it's, it's also not... like, like royalty fucks them up so badly. Like they yeah. would all be happier people if they didn't have to be Royals mm-hmm. for their own the sake. Yeah. If I, if I, I, mean... su- if I support Nope's thesis that you shouldn't have animals on television shows, I shouldn't support royalty <laughs> yeah, either. Yeah. It was, it was said really good on a uh, crossover still watching dynasty, very special episode. Uh, where it's like people, some people need to keep in mind that this is a fiction. Yeah. And that's sort of the danger I was talking, or the perceived danger I was talking about last time we talked about it, is like, I don't watch cop shows because I don't want to feel like cops are more complex than I know they aren't. Uh, So, like, watching a well-done drama about the royals, I think, is already giving them a lot of credit where they don't deserve it to me the royal yeah. cops davis i've watched i've watched like one episode from <laughs> season three one from season four and now i'll give season five a try every time the crown comes up i give it a shot for one i saw the ship blow up and i saw jillian anderson do some stuff yeah the ship blowing like, up, that feels like the episode you would like that's irish revolutionaries uh murdering I mean, royals <laughs> It's yeah, it, it was it was fine. I just it's it's a good TV show that uh, has yet to hook me in a season by season best if basis. You're gonna watch one episode from season five. Mm-hmm. May I humbly recommend 
The carriage that episode. You no, never. <laughs> that you watch episode three, Mumu, which is my favorite. Oh, the Dodi, oh, the, uh, the Muhammad Fayyad episode. I knew Muhammad you were going to say that episode. It's really Fayette good. Episode. It's super good, and it explores that like sickness that is like an infatuation with the superiority of the royals. You know yep. what I mean? Like that's. You know, the way in which it's interesting sometimes to watch movies about like the sickness that is the American dream or something like that. Mm-hmm. This is like the colo- like the, the colonial dream of British supremacy or whatever and what that does to a man, to a family, to, you know, a, a, a dynasty. It's super good. The royals are barely in it. And then the one scene that has yeah, Diana is it is when like Charles, incredible. you know, goes to the dragon pit and teaches his dragon how to roast a goat. It's really compelling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good episode. I also think all the like Edward and Wallace stuff is fascinating. Uh, I kind of can't help myself there. So Edward's I love my it. favorite. I love he's, him. He's such a sad, pathetic figure. What a little piece of shit. I know. I and him. they like hung out with Nazis and sucked yeah, so much. Terrible. They were and, awful people. And their <laughs> lives were miserable. And yet you still want to know what's up with them. How do they do that? Alex Jennings. What a prince. Yeah, that's right. I forget. You've been on you've been on his uh on on that beat for a long time. But there's a moment, not to spoil it for you, Dave, because actually I kind of doubt that you'll ever watch it, but like there's a <laughs> moment in the in the Muhammad Al Fayed episode where they just do chariots of fire. And it's just like really fun. I was like, I was watching it, I was like, oh, why are we doing chariots of fire? Because I didn't know that Dodie like worked on it. it and I didn't know that. And I was like, why are we here? Why is Vangelis mm. playing? What's happening? Yep. And I was and, like, oh. And then there's a clip from the 1981 Oscars, Oscars. or whatever. Yeah. I don't remember. Who's presenting? Do you remember? It's like the real clip from yeah, uh, I don't Hero remember Tool now. or whoever it was yeah, presenting yeah, the yeah. Oscar. Yeah. Um, and that made me very happy. That's why chariots of fire is in Empire of Light. It all makes sense now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, God, that's right. What a weird fall for Chariots of Fire. Joanna, you what haven't... a weird fall for Chariots of Fire. <laughs> Joanna, you haven't seen Empire of Light yet, right? No, and I got the pleasure of hearing Dave completely bury it on trial by content earlier today. Uh, oh, yeah, we haven't like... done that yet. We're going to save that for December for this just show. Like six feet under. I'm very interested in to hear what you think of Empire of Light, because I liked it. Richard Lawson says it was one of his favorite movies of the year. So Fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Richard Lawson. Yeah, that's been... I, I'm not breaking news here. He reviewed it. Um. So, yeah. Everyone... I mean, I will, you know, I'll watch anything you tell me to watch, Katie. You know me. I mean, I'm going to tell you. I'm interested to hear what you think about it if you do watch it. I'll watch the episode that Joanna said she basically guarantees I'm not going to watch it. Now that makes me want to do it. That's true. She's using some reverse psychology on you right there, buddy. Tomorrow I have to record a podcast about the Return of the King extended edition. And I have uh, an entire book of that book to go through. But after that, I'll watch some Crown. Uh, I think I need to go to bed. Should we wrap it yeah, up? Yeah, I think we did. Do it. it. Um, okay. Uh, that's, that's it for this week's Ramblethon. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> Joanna guess are we, are we doing it quarterly? I can't remember how long ago it's been since we did this, but September 15th. Oh, wow. It wasn't even that long ago. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so we're, we're getting close to quarterly. We'll have a, like a, maybe, I don't know. I mean, Joanna literally. With every illness cycle that takes over two of the <laughs> podcast hosts. Yeah, every new COVID strain. Yeah, whatever the new COVID variant or RSV look, or flu or the combination of all three. Um, look for me at the dawning of the third COVID strain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joanna, you want to plug anything? People know where to find you mostly. No, I just miss you guys. Yeah. Uh, all the time. So. It's so nice to 
be reunited. Uh, having dragged Dave into the production of Vanity Fair podcast makes me feel like I'm like keeping a piece of you with me, Joanna. It's a uh, that's true. I, get, I still, I'm still, I'm still up on all the latest news about <laughs> the podcast, so it doesn't make you feel very involved. Just when you thought you were out, <laughs> um, Dave, we should promote our uh, the rest of Fitwork, right? Yeah. So uh, we've got a website. It's fightinginthewarroom.com. You can find all our old episodes there, going back like a decade, uh, which has a lot of movies and uh, different topics and some of these hangout episodes. Probably you some Westworld in there. Probably <laughs> some Westworld somewhere in there. Uh, and then also, if you go to fightingintherwarroom.com, you get all the old shows from when Joanna and I just used to randomly do podcasts and have to put them somewhere. So if you want more uh, weird rambling Joanna podcast, those are also fightingintherworm.com. Uh, you could leave us a review on the podcast app uh, for Apple. We would love five stars. We'll read them out loud on the show. If you are an international listener or want to email us something else, you can email us at fitwr.podcast at gmail.com. David Ehrlich's on Twitter at his name. Uh, Patches is on Twitter at Mr. Patches. And that I'm on Twitter at DA70. And Joanna's on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. Take it away, Katie. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Katie Rich. Um, and we're all on Twitter at FITWR, where I do love seeing you all tweeted us on my tweet deck. And um, next week, we'll be talking about the Fablemans or Disenchanted. You never know. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Again. Uh, like, could, be the, could be more the crown, could be the menu, which we, I think, probably said at the beginning of this we were talking about and then never did. Um, but in the meantime, you can also tweet at us uh, with whatever you want, or you can answer this week's lightning round question, which was. In honor of Bones and All, what's your favorite on screen road trip? Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. Bones, 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 bones